Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. Y'all know sometimes things just happen by chance and sometimes God orchestrates things. And I just believe that today's message is that. I, I told y'all last week, this is a series that I've been working on praying over for months. And so I, I do not believe that it's by accident that it's today and that it's currently this month. And so I am just really excited about where we're going. And so if you took selfies, I want y'all to just flood social media. I know everybody doesn't like it, but we love them and we like it. So that's what we do. So hashtag four point selfie and y'all flood social media and put your, be proud, be loud, be whatever. All right. So today's message is dealing with our identity again, selfie. The selfie series is finding your identity in Christ. And just as a review, identity is the set of qualities that makes a person unique. And everybody has an identity, but not everybody knows it. And when I want you to identify who I am, to find out or establish the identity of, it causes all sorts of confusion. And so last week was kind of an introduction to get us into this thing. But this week, we're going to jump in and really see a little more. The entire series is based off of 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, someone say in Christ. Christ. He's a new creation, a new creature is what other translations say. The old is passed away and behold, the new has come. And so today's message is titled Death to Selfie. And the question is, who's first? And y'all have heard messages before about Jesus should be first in your life. But this is more along the lines of who do you desire to be first? And the whole thing with selfies, and I think they're so funny because literally the only time I take selfies is if I'm being goofy or if we're doing this together in here because I'm just not really into it because the closer my face gets to the camera, <laughs> shoo, death, hashtag death to selfie. So anyway, <laughs> continuing, I, I want you to turn in your Bibles or tablets or whatever you have that it has a Bible on it, the two different places. Uh, Colossians chapter one and Ephesians chapter one. I'll be in Ephesians second, but I did not intend for this, this series to be a Colossians series, but it's turned out to be the next few weeks are going to be in Colossians. And it is so amazing. The truth that's in this book. So, so good. The truth that's in this book, actually the header in my Bible says the preeminence of Christ. And I'm going to teach you that word in just a second. But in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, this is, this is where I need everybody to talk. If you've ever been in church, you're going to know this. Who was the firstborn man? This is not a trick. He was not really born. He, God breathed into dust. I'm trying to help y'all out. Who's the firstborn? Who's the first man? Adam. But, but what? Paul is telling us here is that Adam was the first man, but the firstborn of all creation was Jesus. He's the second Adam, but he's the Adam that came to rescue us from the sin that the first Adam brought in. And so he's, he's the invisible, 
He is the image, the picture of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, everybody say by him. All things were created. Nothing has ever been made that wasn't made through him. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and, what's that next one? For him. It's not just made through him, it's not just made by him, but it's made for him. He's the purpose, he's the reason. Everything created by God was for good, but the enemy and our evil hearts, when we are deceived, turns it bad. So I'm not. Get, this message isn't about racism, but I'm going to hit on it because it fits. And because if anybody knows me or you've been at this church at all, you know that we take a strong stand. And this isn't like a new thing that we just preach against stuff on the days after bad things happen. But I want you to know this, and I stand just as clear-headed and knowing what I'm going to say as I've ever been in my life. The color of this world, and I'm not just talking about black and white, y'all. There's, there's a lot of caramel colored people is what they say in Israel is what color they are. All kinds of shades. God loves it. I don't think there, it's by chance that there's 12 stones in heaven and it's a representation of the 12 tribes. I don't think it's by chance that, that God did not make us one one simple common thing. Even though that's what white supremacy wants is one common thing to everybody look the same. Everybody have the same ideals. Here's the thing that's awesome about God. And whether you agree or disagree with what I'm about to say, you can be wrong and I'll be right if you want to disagree with me. But God made your color for himself. Everything about you that is uniquely made was for himself. I will hit a little bit more, but I want you to know that, that that's not my opinion. That's what the Bible says. And then y'all look at this It's so good. It says, and he is before all things. So he's been before you your entire life and he's already been where you're going. And in him, all things hold together. Now, it's so important to get that one line. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible because I can remember that in him, all things hold together, that there's nothing in this world that is held together that is not held together by God. And, but the tension is, and this is where we're going to start diving in. The tension is whenever difficulty comes to my life, I begin to believe that I'm the one that has to hold all things together. That's where we find ourselves in trouble, y'all is we believe that I'm responsible to hold all things together, but it's in him, in Christ, that all things are held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That is everything, excuse me, in everything he might be, I want y'all to say this word with me because this is really the point of the entire message. Preeminent, say preeminent. preeminent. I've never used that word on purpose until I preached it today. But this is all it means. This is all it means. Preeminence almost fell. Y'all saw it. Hashtag no selfies. Preeminence just means to have first place. And so, so what this is saying here is he is the head. He is part of the body, but he is the head. But he has to have first place. There is no option. There's no possibility for us to have peace and know ourselves until Christ is first. And if we do not give Christ his preeminence, we are in deep trouble. Now, that preach is really good. As a matter of fact, I think most people would say amen to that 
if you've ever been in church or if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're not, I'm pumped that you're here and you're going to get a chance to know him in just a minute. But listen to me. If you've ever been with Jesus, walked with him and said, I'm with him, I'm for Jesus, I love him, you would say amen to that. But the reality is everything in your life is striving for preeminence, not to give it to Christ. And this is what's so interesting is when the disciples were discussing who was the greatest, Jesus, like, I do all this stuff and I'm the man, like, am I the greatest? Which one's going to sit on your right hand? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? And in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus said, whoever wants to be first will be last, but whoever desires to be last will be first. Whoever lessens themselves, and, and John the Baptist said it this way in John 3.30, he must become greater and greater and greater, and I must become less and less and less. And all those things sound really good, don't they? But for them to become a reality in our hearts, we have to begin to identify ourselves in a different light. Here's what I told a buddy of mine this week. There's a movement called I Am Second, and I think it's awesome. I think what they do is fantastic because it's saying that I'm not the most important thing and I'm second. But here's the truth. If we put God first, if we put Jesus Christ above all and make him preeminent in our life, if I'm second, I'm still way too high on the totem pole. Because I'm not supposed to be second. My wife and my kids are second. I'm not supposed to be third. My friends, you guys, the church, and on and on and on. I'm bottom. I'm the end. If I'm healthy in Christ, I'm not anywhere in the equation, and I'm not worried about me. If I focus my attention on Christ, entitlement dies. But, but, I believe the greatest problem that we face today, personal problem, is entitlement which is similar to selfishness. Because the moment that I believe because of who I am, because of where I come from, because I'm an American, I deserve, I begin to make the whole equation about Mark. I just feel like I'm supposed to hit on this for a couple minutes. I, I've noticed that when Leah and I get into fusses, most of the time, it's an entitlement problem on my end. Like, have you ever realized when you're having an argument with a friend, coworker, your spouse, your mom and dad, whoever it is, have you ever noticed how often it's not an entitlement issue? Because it's almost never for me. Because I, because I deserve. You should have. What's wrong with you? And I constantly try to get people to think about me in all situations. I begin, I begin to get angry with people when they don't do exactly what I wanted them to do. I become the theme of my life. And even though I may have, listen to me, I may have read my Bible and listened to worship music and prayed. I did the big three, y'all. Jesus, there's my plaque. Like, what's going on? I'm great. Thank you, thank you Lord. I, I've done all these things for you, so, so now I'm entitled to things. Whenever my focus shifts from Christ to what I'm entitled to, Whenever that becomes the main theme of my life or I begin to become a victim because I don't believe that I should be going through what I'm currently going through, I rob God. I rob God of what he deserves because entitlement is the thief of Christ's preeminence in our lives. Entitlement in our lives robs him of what the, in the place that he deserves. And just because we show up to church and just because we tithe and just because we do the right things, obedience is greater than sacrifice, y'all. And whenever I look, whenever I look and think to myself, you should have, 
I've immediately taken myself at, out of the equation of, of least and I've put myself in, you should have thought about me above where you think about me. I need to be in the head of the equation. I am most responsible. Look at what I've done. And I'm telling you this right now. One of the things that God has really wrecking my life with right now is in this series that we're in, Selfie is, and it's really what he's been working on me for months on y'all is I think I like to get comfortable because I will go through a season and I don't know if anybody's going to know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to know what I'm talking about. So I'll say amen to me if y'all can. But after something good happens and I feel like I've had a victory in Christ, I really like to get comfortable. And I believe that's Satan's greatest playground in our lives. If he can just get us comfortable and not get us focused on Christ, then it doesn't matter what you accomplish because eventually we'll kill everybody around us who we're supposed to be called to and we'll find ourselves entitled and selfish. Look what Paul said in Colossians. He says, listen, he deserves all preeminence because in him all the fullness of God was pleased to live. Every bit of God's fullness was, was pleased to live in Christ and it was in his earthly body in Jesus. And through him, and this is where I think today is so important. Through him to reconcile. Do y'all remember that last week? Say reconcile. To himself all things. All things. It is not God's will that anyone should perish. That is Jesus' words, not mine. And in him, he desires to reconcile all things. So the minute that I look at that thing or that person or that whatever, and I say, yeah, but they don't deserve reconciliation because look what they did to me. Look what they did against. Then I immediately take Christ out of the, the most important to the, the preeminence in my life. And I say, I need to be because I like his idea, but I want it with a little twist. I want it my way. It's God's desire that he reconciles all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. And that word peace literally translates full reconciliation till it is complete. An absolute done. You have peace in him by the blood of his cross. It's not my job or your job to bring, listen to this, to bring reconciliation to America. It's our job to point everybody to the one that can reconcile everybody, and it's the cross, and it's Jesus. And the problem is, most people are so afraid that they might offend somebody that they won't stand with Jesus and stand with each other and say, we rebuke the Christian right. Because here's the truth, y'all. Here's the truth, is there was a group of us that would stand against Obama, President Obama, excuse me, and say he should call out Muslims and call them extremist Muslims. He should call Muslims what they really are. And then there's another group, and rightfully so on the other end, that say Trump says this, President Trump says this, but he should go a little farther and say white supremacists. And I actually agree with both parties. And oddly enough, they're almost none of the same people. But here's the full truth. When it comes to ISIS or the Taliban and that extreme version of Muslim, because whether you believe this or not, that is the extreme version of the Muslim faith. Or 
It's the disgusting alt-right. Our responsibility is to stand together and to make God in Christ Jesus the preeminent one that we focus on. And if we focus on anything but with our main focus, even if we stand against bad, if that is the stance that we make above all things, we will miss the point. He's the point. He's the only one that can bring peace. He's the only one that can truly reconcile. And this is where we find ourselves in problems. The moment that I think I'm your reconciler, <laughs> God help me. I can't even reconcile my bank account, y'all. Come on. My job is not to make peace in this world. My job is not to be the reconciler. My job is to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden because I'm pointing everyone to the one that is preeminent. And when I want to know how I can have peace in who I am, this is where identity comes in. If I, if I struggle that you will follow me, or you struggle that they will follow you, or you struggle that you're not comfortable in your own skin, then it is impossible to point everybody to the one that you can't see who is in you because you so desire it for yourself. And that is what selfishness does. That is what selfishness does. Selfishness is the concentration of my own needs without regard for others, and that includes the Lord. And it's so funny... It's so funny to evaluate our own lives because I feel like this is one of the hardest things for us to do is to take an inventory of where we really are in our lives, right? I mean, we can, we can look from a year to year perspective and say, I've made more money. I've had an increase. I've done this, but I'm talking like week to week to evaluate where we truly are in Christ, to evaluate why it's kind of gone downhill because all of us feel this way. We begin to have these emotions come in our lives where we think everybody's against us. Is anybody with me in here? And we become so self-absorbed that we can't see the forest from the trees, so to speak, in our own lives. We'll even begin to fill in the blanks with our own families and say, they must be against me. And then we draw conclusions, which is really drawing confusions. And Satan's the author of confusion, so he's thrilled. It's almost impossible when you're selfish and when you're in-focused. And this is an everybody problem. This is, you can't, you can't have selfie without self. And that's exactly what this world is showing us right now is make sure you get yours. Selfishness makes me focus on what I have in, not what I put out. Not what I get to give, but what I have to give. Not if I do things at the church, it's because it's what I have to do. Everything in our lives becomes something that we have to do, not something that we get to do. And we all... I do not care how spiritually mature you are in this room. All of us find ourselves there at some point in time. Some of us more than others. And y'all, I'm an extremely selfish person and I don't like this. I was talking to a friend who's helping me through some stuff this week and I was just kind of, I think y'all don't know what I mean by this. I, I didn't literally puke, but I was kind of throwing up on him with the way we were just getting stuff out. And I was just trying to process some of this in my own life. And here's what I realized. And this is going to step on toes. And I love you. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Because I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. Anybody that has kids in the room, everybody else, this is for you too. But 
I think you'll really understand. When we had kids, I had this idea. And when we had Lainey first, I was so excited. And she's my baby girl. And, and, and for a dad, a son is different. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just different because I don't know if y'all know this, but I can't really identify too well being a lady. <laughs> There's stuff. I'm just telling you, like, praise the Lord for Leah because I just... Whatever, Leah, your turn. Like I don't, but for a dude, man, like, you know, we got this idea. I don't care if you're an athlete or an artist or where you've been. There, whatever you were, this is what I believe the tension is of, of selfishness. And it bleeds over into our kids first. If you want to see your problems, look to your kids. Because it's bleeding down to them. This is what I realized. I don't even like admitting this, but I feel like I'm supposed to. I think most of y'all will know that have been at our church that Haston is five and he's autistic. He's the sweetest kid I've ever been around in my entire life. He's playful. He's full of life. But I was, I use this term loosely, but I was an athlete growing up. I heard, I, thank you, Jen, for laughing. It hurts my feelings. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Your husband told you to do that. But I'm, I'm a pretty big dude, and I'm fairly athletic, and so I had this idea, and Hayson's going to be humongous. Genes don't lie, y'all, so not these genes, genetics. And so I had this idea of what he was going to be, and I coached basketball for nine years, and so I always said, I'm not going to be that crazy dad, you know, because we had, praise the Lord, coaches in the room, I need some amens. We had some crazy parents, and they live vicariously through their kids, and God help them, and I wasn't ever going to be that. I always said, I'm going to push them to do whatever they're called to do. I want them to do this. But in the back of my mind, here's what I've realized in the last few weeks and maybe months is what I really desired for my kids to be is a better version of me. Can I tell you why that's ridiculous? They're not me. They're them. In their identity, they were uniquely made to be them to bring glory to God, not for their daddy. Nothing to do with their daddy. They're on loan for a few years till I give them away. Wherever they go, they're just on loan. They're not mine. I get to have them in my house. They are God's children. And so the moment that I begin to put pressure on my kids, or maybe I never have, and in my case, I really haven't ever said, I hope you'll play this exact thing. I hope you'll do this exact thing. But if I'm disappointed, and here's the truth, this is what I'm not proud of. In my own heart, I've had to face the reality that my kid has horrendous hand-eye coordination. It's hilarious. And it's hard for me not to be a little bit embarrassed. Can I tell you why I'm embarrassed? It's not because Hasten's not good. It's because he's my son, and I think he should be better than that. You know what that is? That's called selfishness. That's called in-focus. That's called entitlement. That's called ridiculous. And I hate it. I don't even like telling y'all this. Matter of fact, I feel like puking right now. I felt like throwing up all morning. And I'm not sick at all. <laughs> Sometime along the way, I decided that because he was my son, that he deserved to have fill in the blank. Do you know what I believe is the greatest gift in my kid's life? Is what the world calls... his crutch. 
his problem. It's made me have a kid that is far different from a temperament's perspective than I ever will be. And if I could accept what God put in my life, and I am accepting it, but I am in the process, I am not complete, then I would realize that God did it on purpose. And actually, what I'm about to show you in Ephesians, he, he planned it before time began. I'm in this little equation of time where I start thinking all about me, and in 2017, in the middle of August, there must be more, God. There's got to be something else. And I get so inward focused that I think, God, you've got to do more. And I find myself being frustrated in areas that are not mine to be frustrated in. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't love our kids, support them, go to every game. I, I, I'm going to do that. But if mine's the last on the team or the first on the team, it doesn't change who they are. And if the only thing that I want, and I know some of y'all are not athletes or coaches or that background, but you have yours. And this, I believe, is the greatest tension that we all live under. And I don't care if you don't have kids. There's something or someone in your life where you feel this tension. I wasn't good enough. I didn't make it. I wasn't. So I'm going to help you be the better version of me. They're not you. They're not me. They need to be the greatest version of themselves to glorify God. And the moment that I put a pressure on them that is not theirs to hold is the moment that I find myself in trouble. Because they'll never be good enough. So we say we want to build cultures in our homes of do your best. But it's not their best that we want. It's our best in them. And that's not fair. Fair is not even the word. That's not right. That is wrong. But the reality is almost all of us do it. I think the biggest problem with this is we're so blinded to it that we can't see it. If my kid comes home with a C, and that's the greatest she could do, then I should celebrate the C. Not because I should have made straight A's. And it's really hard to get to that point. And the reason I believe it's hard is not because it's not, it's not their fault. It's because we don't like being us. We don't like looking at ourselves and saying, I'm cool being me. There's some things about me that I don't like. There's certainly some things that God needs to change my heart and mind but I'm cool being me because God uniquely designed me to be this so that his mission could be accomplished. And all of us through Christ are reconcilers, all of us. And that's my number one job is to point people to him. And so the minute that I think my kids being rock stars, my family being rock stars, people following anything, the moment that takes the, the attention off of God is the moment that I get myself in trouble. And then I just love, y'all, how Ephesians ties all this in like a bow because it's strong. Here's what Ephesians 1 verse 3 says. Blessed be the God of our, and Father of our Lord Jesus who blessed us. This is so good. Look at this. In Christ. Say it, say it together. Say in Christ. in Christ. He blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you are lacking in your life, it is not because he has not given it to you. It's because you don't have the hands and the heart to receive it. Do I need to say that again? And you know what? The truth is there's many times that I don't because I'm so entitled. I live in, with so much entitlement that I believe I deserve things that are different than what God has for me. God has uniquely made you and every good thing that comes from above is theirs for you so that he can accomplish his purpose in you, not so that you can be happy. Your happiness is not at the forefront of God's thoughts. His purpose in you is at the forefront. 
And whenever I shift the focus, I begin to say, God, why don't I have a nicer car? His car may not be for your need today. That may not be what you need. That may not be what pushes you to your destiny in Christ Jesus. And so if the only thing I focus on is, God, I should be a little healthier right now because I feel bad and, and I've got this cough and it's been lingering for a long time. But what about the good things that come from God? And what about what we haven't focused on? And what about all these great things in Christ? I can't think about those if I'm thinking about me. And he says, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. I was chose, chosen, excuse me, in Christ before God even made this world. He knew me before I was in my mama's womb. He knows every hair on my head and he does the same exact for you. I'm not God's favorite. Anywhere close, we are all his children, the sheep of his pastures. And he says, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And I love this so much. Verse 5 says, in love, he predestined us. That word means predetermined our destiny in him for adoption. Because I'm pretty sure there's no Jewish people in the room, so none of us were naturally in the line of Abraham. But Romans 11 says that he grafted us into his faith, and now I'm part of his tree. I'm one of his branches. I am his chosen. I'm the called of God. I'm the righteousness of God. And when I focus on all the things that I'm not, and I focus on how much I don't like being me, I, I lose the focus on the preeminence of Jesus, him being first in my life, because he adopted himself as sons through, who was it through? according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, of all, that, that word trespasses means sin, according to the riches of his grace. If y'all remember a couple weeks ago, that is the exact word for favor. That's the same word. According to his extending himself to us and giving us his amazing stuff and who he is through the person of Jesus, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysteries of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth. How did he set it forth? In Christ. In Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite. Do y'all see this again? That's his plan. It's not my plan. It's not what every preacher should say. His idea was to unite all things to himself. If you want to know why unity is such a big deal in this country, in this world, and it should be in the church, it's because everything he's done for you, everything, 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 is ultimately to get us to this point that he unites all things to himself, things in heaven and things on earth. And I'm just here to tell you today that it's impossible to know his will if all I want is my way that God made you uniquely and beautifully, that he predestined you with an idea of what you can be in him. But as long as all I think about is me, myself, and I, my own way, selfishness, then the only thing I'll think is I've got this idea and I want Jesus. Listen, please don't miss this. This is the most important thing today. I want Jesus to be beside me. I want Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to be a part of my life. He doesn't want a part of your life, and that never works. Can I tell you why I think the world is in shambles today? I don't think it's because of the world. I think it's because of the church. Because the church of Jesus, the bride of Christ, wants Jesus to be a part of what we do. <laughs> That's him. He's the head. 
He's not the part. He's not a little part. He's not a, he is, he is above all. And through him, all things hold together. And in your life, when you've been struggling to how can I see these things hold together? He is the only one that can. And if you're falling apart in this room, I'm here to tell you the only way I can fall apart is if he is not preeminent in my heart, if he's not first. And everything will try to rob you of that. Everything will try to rob you of that. And it will try to get you to not want his way and to want my own way. God's plan for your life is going to be a couple steps ahead laid out for you. But the only way you can have eyes to see and ears to hear is if he's first. And, and if I was your enemy, what I would want to do is make you selfish. No matter how many Christian t-shirts I've got in my closet. No matter how many nice text messages I give saying I'm praying for you. No matter how many things that I do, if my heart is sick, I will kill the ones I'm called to. Can I tell y'all I don't really like this message too much? Because if it's not stepping on your toes, it's stepping on mine. <clears throat> I turned my phone off yesterday and I've sort of stayed off social media and this week except for sharing a few things and I, I really wanted to like not see the news. My goal yesterday was to not know anything and someone that I was with read the thing in Charlottesville that he got a notification on his phone and, and I kept silent last night because I really didn't feel led by the Holy Spirit to say anything till today. Here's the truth and this is how I want to end it today. We don't have a racist, racism problem in our country. We don't have a bigotry problem in our country. We don't have a religious problem in our country, we have a preeminence problem in our country. Because even if I stand in the gap, and I know that's what God's called me to do, I still want it my way. The only one that can bring all things together is the one who is before all things and through all things and in all things. The only one that can truly make a difference is the one that is first. And through him, in him, from him, and then for him, we will change the world. I don't want to say anymore we're going to. We will. We are. One person at a time, one relationship at a time, one death to hatred and bigotry at a time. That's how we'll change the world. But if we do it on our own merit or we do it because we don't like them and what they are, it will only last a season and then we'll be right back and maybe worse than we were before. And this is why I believe the church is at fault. Because I believe the church in seasons have taken a stand. But if today's the only day we take a stand, then shame on us. I don't want to be united to you guys because something bad happened. I want to be united to you guys because of Christ. I want to be united to you guys because I'm compelled by the Spirit of God to be more than a conqueror in him and that this is our territory and that we're ambassadors in this land and that the kingdom is who God's called us to be and that he must become greater and I must become less and that he must become more and more and more and that whoever will be first will be last. So first is not what I hope for.
Let everybody else get the glory as long as Christ is first. You will always struggle with yourself as long as there's any agenda in your life other than Christ that is ahead and first. And as long as it's my way that I need you to follow and not his way, we'll always be frustrated with each other. Because selfishness puts the focus on me. But my identity is secured in Christ. I don't ever have to worry about who I am if I focus on who he is. Because he changed my operating system and he put his in. And every day that I wake up, even if I screwed it up so bad yesterday that I'm disgusted with myself, and I know some of you feel that way because I feel your pain. I'm with you. That is not who you are. That's what you did. Who you are is a new creation. Who you are is a new operating system. There's never enough steps or things to go through that can make you feel right. And there's never enough steps to make you not be selfish, except for Christ. You are getting started if you begin to walk. You will fail, you will screw up, you will fall on your face, but you're a new creation and we will change the world. We will one person at a time. Love our kids, love our families, love our schools and know that it's not a better version of us that they need to be, it's the best version in Christ that we desire for them. And until our focus shifts to where God's called our focus to be, we will raise up and respond and go back and be comfortable right where we are because we feel the entitlement of what we deserve and not the boldness of who we are in Christ. Today, I just call you out as brothers and sisters, not like this, but like this. Let us stand together in the gap, death to selfie and alive in Christ, that we look to each other and say, if you have a need, I'm coming beside you. I'm fighting with you. I'm fighting for you. No matter how many times you've screwed up, no matter what's been done, I will fight for you because I'm in Christ. And we will see God unite a people through Christ. This is the most important thing that I'll say all day, y'all, is the way that that starts is to be in Christ. And all that means is that you've trusted him as your Lord and Savior, that you've given him your heart and life, and you've said, no longer am I my own. I believe that he died on the cross shed his blood, and through the redemption of his blood, I have forgiveness of sin. And today I choose not to be preeminent, not to be first, but to be last and ask him to be first, to put her next, to put them next, to put, I will not be the focus of my own life if I'm in Christ. I choose to not be dead. I choose to receive his life today. I believe there's people in this room that need that, and I want you to have the opportunity. And then everybody else, I believe, that you should have the opportunity to respond as well. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I just want to know in this room, is anybody coming here today not knowing their identity, feeling uncomfortable and being full of selfishness? And the reality in your life is if you died today, you'd be separated from God for eternity because you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. But in Christ, you're a new creation and you're alive. And today is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And you know that you need to give your heart and life to Christ by trusting him as Lord. Is there anybody in this room that would say, that's me, Pastor? Come on, all over the room. I just want you to throw your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I feel like you're talking straight to me and I'm giving my life to Christ today. I am trusting him and following him today. Who is it? All over the room. 
It's time for me to trust Jesus and walk with him. It's time for me to trust Jesus and walk with him. Thank you. At the end of the service, if you'll come back to the back wall, we want to pray with you and help you take your first steps in Jesus. For everybody else, this is what, how I'm going to ask you to respond. We're going to sing a song at the end like we always do. But I want to know who's going to stand in the gap with me. You're not the responsible one to change the world. God has already done it, and you get to walk into your destiny in Christ Jesus. He has everything that you'll ever need from heaven, and he's waiting on you to receive it and to walk in it. It is not magic. It is not your needs that he's focused on. It's his destiny in you and what he wants to accomplish through reconciliation that he's focused on himself to bring glory and honor to God. I just want to know, is there anybody that will stand in this room and say, I'm with you, that we'll see God, that we'll see his reconciliation. If that's you, I just want you to stand all over the room and say, I'm with you. Lord, all over the room, you see us standing. And I believe people mean it, Lord. I believe this awesome family of ours, I believe that they mean it. We are an army, Lord, rising up to follow you in all that we do, Lord. I just thank you for your word and your hope. I thank you that no matter how selfish I've been in my life, you never give up on me that you always forgive me, that you're faithful and just to forgive and cleanse my heart. And God, today I just pray that we won't focus on the things that we're not called to focus on, but we'll point everyone back to you, God. May you be first and may the world see the difference through a hug, through a friend, through everything that we do to bring glory and honor to your name. We worship your name, Jesus. We love you. And everybody said, Amen. Y'all sing with us.